You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be thrown into the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always seek the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Let's uh, pause a moment in prayer. God, we come to you to ask of your spirit to help us. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us and transform us, call us back to you, those who are far from you. And we pray we would experience the life-giving word that you give us this morning, Christ, and we pray. Amen. Have you uh, been lost before? Do you remember the first time uh, you got lost, maybe as a kid at the grocery store or at the mall? I do. I must have been seven or eight years old. Um, I was at the grocery store. I wandered off by myself, uh, and uh, where did I go? I was looking at the aisle where there were toys. It was just a split second that I left my mom and my sisters, but when I got back to where I thought they were, they were gone. So I panicked. My heart started racing. Fear set in, and I felt so isolated and alone and even abandoned. What am I going to do, I asked myself. Is someone going to kidnap me? Am I going to be the back of a milk carton? You guys don't know what that is, but (laughs) right? Right, Will I see my family again? All of these questions raced through my mind as I searched frantically for my family. It felt like an eternity, but after a few minutes, my mom finally found me. Oh boy, was I relieved. My mom was looking for me, searching for me, and she found me. Man, I was, I was so glad to be back under her care, her protection, 
and supervision. I felt the security of being under the loving care of my mom as I was walking right beside her that day. Well, today, we are going to talk about a lost sheep that wanders away in the same, and in the same way, my mom searched me out. We see a good shepherd pursuing this lost sheep and finding her. It's a parable communicating to us how much God loves us and values us and cares for us so much that even when we stray away from God, he, he pursues us to bring us back into his loving care. We will also see that because our Heavenly Father cares for us as a good shepherd, we have the responsibility to care for one another in the same way that God lovingly cares for each of us. And if we experience God's love where we know that we are pursued and adored by our Heavenly Father, it should radically impact the way we treat fellow followers of God. So here is where we're going to go today. We're going to start with the last paragraph of our text and then work our way to the other parts of the text by first looking at God's pursuit of the lost, where we see how much God values us and pursues us. And then secondly, we will see that God calls us to care for one another just as God cares for each of us. And then lastly, self-care, the discipline of dealing with personal sin. Last week, Pastor Joel, he mentioned that in Matthew chapter 18, which we are in, through chapter 20, Jesus lays out the characteristics of God's kingdom community and how his disciples are to work out community life under Jesus' upside-down kingdom. Last week, we heard about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, It's not the person who has the most money. It's not the person who has great political power or military power or or those who who look really good. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is someone who humbles themselves like a little child who trusts in God for all that they need and want. And pride will keep you out of God's kingdom. In fact, God says he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This morning, how is your relationship with God going? Have you strayed away from God and feel distant from him? Well, I have good news for you today because God values you so much that he pursues you. Look with me to verse 12 through 14. So we are told in this parable of the lost sheep, this very poignant story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, but one goes wandering off. The shepherd doesn't just write off the lost sheep and go, oh, well, I have 99. But actually, he leaves the 99 to pursue the one lost sheep that wandered off. And Jesus is inviting us to consider this parable and what it means when he says, what 
do you think? This parable is an illustration of how much God cares for us in his pursuit of the lost. Think about the situation of this lost sheep. It went astray. It wandered away. It got separated from the flock. Now, the sheep may have neglected the voice of the shepherd calling, or the sheep may have thought the grass was greener on the other side of the hill. And regardless of the reasons, the sheep is no longer under the care and protection of the shepherd. And as a result of wandering off, the lost sheep is isolated and exposed to the danger from predators. Maybe you feel like this lost sheep, feeling alone and isolated. You feel like God is distant and far away. Maybe you made some poor decisions and lost your way, strayed from God, and sadly, you feel like you can't come back to God. And somehow, you've passed this point of no return. You may have lots of reasons for why you are lost and justify in your mind why you can't be redeemed by God. You may believe the lie that you are not worth saving or rescuing. If this is you, I have good news for you. God loves and cares for you, and he wants you back. You see, the shepherd searches. That's the word that he uses. He searches for the lost sheep. He keeps looking and focuses his energy to find the lost sheep. The shepherd won't stop searching for the lost sheep until he finds her. How committed is the shepherd to finding the lost sheep? Well, the shepherd leaves the 99 on the mountain to devote himself on this rescue mission for one lost sheep. Now, I've never been a shepherd before. I don't think I ever will. But it seems like it's a bad idea to leave 99 sheep on the mountain to go looking for just one sheep. Right? What about the safety of and care of this 99 sheep? Well, Jesus, he's making a point. He's emphasizing the Father's heart in this story to pursue and rescue one lost sheep because of how valuable one sheep is to him. God loves you. He cares for you so much that he will relentlessly pursue you to bring you back into his fold. Verse 13 highlights for us how much God delights in finding one lost sheep. He rejoices over finding one lost sheep. In fact, the shepherd has greater joy in finding one lost sheep than the joy of knowing that the 99 sheep are safe. Each sheep is valuable, adored, and cared for by our Heavenly Father. But the joy of finding the lost sheep is celebrated by God with great, huge joy. Did you know that God does not want even one of these little ones to perish? That is why Jesus says in verse 14, So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. 
God does not stand idle or is apathetic when he sees one lost sheep that falls away. God takes no pleasure in the death or destruction of anyone. He wants everyone to turn from their lostness, that is to repent, and live. Live a life with him. The most important thing God does for us is to seek us out and to save us. That is why God, out of his love for us, sent his son Jesus to pursue us and to save us. Don't believe the lie that you can't go back to God and that he won't receive you. You do not have to keep wandering and searching. If you turn from your sin and believe in Jesus, God receives you and rejoices with all the angels in heaven. God is is calling you today to listen to his voice, to return to him and to come under his loving care. Are you still in doubt that God cares about you? Look at verse look at verse 10. Jesus says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus gives a stern warning to everyone in his new kingdom community, saying, don't despise or treat each other with contempt. Be careful not to look down on one another. And why is this so important to Jesus? It's because each disciple under God's loving care is so valuable to him. Remember God, he seeks and he saves one lost sheep. That is why Jesus refers to each of his disciples as one of these little ones. How valuable is one of these little ones? Well, these little ones apparently have angels who represent them before the face of the Father. And if angels are in the presence of God with the concerns of one little one, how much is each person worth caring for from God's vantage point? You are important to God the Father, so we are to care for each other as God cares for us, which takes us to our second point. Look at verse 5. We see the importance Jesus places on how each of his disciples are to relate to one another. And when we fully embrace a fellow disciple of Jesus, it is like we are embracing Jesus. We are called to care for the people Jesus loves with the same care he has for each of us. And Jesus is saying, show hospitality toward one another and consider one another. Receive each other fully and take special care of one another with love. There is something special about a community of people coming under the rule of King Jesus together. That the language that's used in the Bible of our relationship with one another is familial. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, having a common, loving, heavenly Father. Jesus' vision of his kingdom community is lived out where we are devoted to one another in love and where we 
honor one another above ourselves. Did you know that throughout the New Testament, we are commanded to one another each other? Let me remind you of some of the verses throughout the New Testament. It says, love one another. I'm sure you've heard that. There's at least 16 times it says that in the New Testament. It says, be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Are we getting the point? Maybe not. Let me go on. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interest of others. Bear with one another. Do we, need, do we need more encouragement? I think we do. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up one another to love and good deeds. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts God has given us for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. Caring for one another is a big deal for God. And Jesus perfectly expressed these one anothering verse to each of us through his words and deeds, except for the confessing his faults because he is sinless. Jesus is telling us that God cares for us. He pursues us even in our wandering ways, and he loves us. So we are to welcome and accept one another just as God has accepted us in Christ. Now, this is not easy. This is not an easy calling to live out. There are a lot of Christians who are hard to love. Amen? Just look around you, right? <laughs> just look around. You know, that donkey or that the elephant, right? You're like, I know who that elephant is. I know who that donkey is, right? And you're like, it's hard. Christians are difficult to hang out with, let alone receive them at times. We really need God's help and his strength to receive one another. We cannot do this with our just grit and willpower. We need God's supernatural Love. We need the help of the Holy Spirit empowering us and God's grace abounding in us. So ask him. Ask him for that supernatural love. Ask him for that power and ability to love one another. God cares for each of us, and he wants us to care for each other in the same way he cares for us so much that he gives a shocking warning to anyone who causes one of his little ones to stumble in sin. Look at verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. 
Jesus makes it abundantly clear to anyone who causes another child of God to sin how severe the consequences will be. God's judgment against the person causing another to sin will be so severe that it would be better for that person to have a great millstone tied around his neck and be drowned in the bottom of the sea. This is a heavy warning from Jesus to steer clear from intentionally causing another disciple to sin and to be a stumbling block to another brother or sister in Christ. What also seems to be clear is that the intentional abuse of children, all types of abuse and manipulation by adults to harm children will be dealt with severely by God. The idea of causing one of these little ones who believe in Jesus to sin carries with it the intent of entrapment and deception and taking advantage of and stealing their innocence, which makes this sin so much more heinous and evil. Jesus is making it explicitly clear that anyone guilty of entrapment and deception of one of these little ones will be given a fate they can't escape, which will be, the wor- which will be worse than drowning in the bottom of the sea tied to a large stone. Have you ever knowingly and intentionally caused another brother or sister in the Lord to sin? If you have, be warned by the words of Jesus and take action by repenting. Repent today before God. And then to the person that you have caused to stumble and sin, confess your sin of causing another child of God to sin. Confess that sin before our loving Heavenly Father because He is faithful and just and promises to forgive our sins. This is good news. Jesus' vision of life as kingdom people Calls, calls us to lead others closer to Jesus and to encourage one another to grow up to be more like Jesus, not to lead others to sin and away from Jesus. You know, we started today by looking at how much God loves us and how actively he pursues the lost. And then we saw how we are to care for one another in receiving each other as Jesus receives us and avoid being a stumbling block for others. But what if, what if I'm weighed down by my own sin and can't seem to withstand the temptation to sin? Well, Jesus instructs us to take some drastic measures in dealing with personal sin in our last point. You know, Jesus, he moves from wandering, from mourning, rather, anyone from causing another disciple to sin to now 
warning those who keep feeding their sin and giving into temptations of various kinds where the, where the grip of sin grows stronger over one's life and will ultimately suffocate you from the life-giving resources of God. Before Jesus gives us his solution to dealing with personal sin, Jesus acknowledges in verse 7 that every disciple is living in an evil and corrupt world where the temptation to sin is present at almost every turn. You don't have to travel to Las Vegas, that is Sin City, to bemoan the fact that temptation to sin is almost everywhere. The reality is that access to sin is everywhere. While we live in a fallen world where temptation to sin abounds, Every disciple of Jesus must take personal responsibility for actively cutting away sin from our lives. Because if we don't deal with our sin in our lives, the results will be disastrous. Sin will eat away at your life. It will steal from you, kill and destroy you, and will ultimately lead you down this devastating path toward eternal judgment in the fire of hell, forever separated from God and his presence. So what then should I do if my hand, foot, or eye causes me to sin? Well, first, let me tell you what not to do is to physically cut off the part of your body. Please don't do that. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about a sinful desire in your heart which you are indulging in. It could be any one of these seven deadly sins of lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, or pride, or a combination of these for most of us. How seriously are you dealing with sin in your life? Jesus takes sin so seriously that he tells us to take immediate and drastic action of cutting away the sinful desires in our lives. As we all know, this is easier said than done. Let's take gluttony as an example in my own life. I have to confess, I love gluten. <laughs> Carbs, anything sweet, in fact, up until recently, I ate a bowl of cereal right before I went to bed every night. In high school, I always had a box of chips ahoy in my locker. And in between periods, I would eat a couple of these cookies every day and share with whoever's next to me. I love pasta, bread, rice, pastries, brownies, baked goods, and all the other processed carbs. And I don't think there's an argument to be made that if I want to remain healthy, I need to cut out the majority of the carbs and processed junk food from my diet. In fact, that was the last message my doctor gave me, I think, on, online. He said, stop eating carbs and exercise more. I think that was the exact note. Now, if I disregard my doctor who cares for me and my health and continue to indulge in sweets, I will definitely go down the path to become unhealthy, have lower energy, 
and have long-term complications. How do I combat my lack of self-control in feeding this sweet tooth that I've had my entire life? Well, Jesus' reply is that I need to cut something off, throw something out, tear away something. It's a call for drastic change with self-imposed limitations so that I can begin to have a healthy lifestyle. But it's not enough just to stop something, right? I have to replace my appetite for sweets with something healthy and believe that I'm living toward a healthy lifestyle. But with God's help and resolve to pursue health in stewarding my body, I have stopped eating a bowl of sweet cereal each night and I've cut out the majority of the processed processed sweet stuff from my diet. And instead of eating a bowl of cereal at night, I eat carrots and hummus. God bless (laughs) carrots and hummus, right? (laughs) Now, I have to confess, again, my confession time, my desire to eat a bowl of frosted flakes with milk up to the brim sometimes flares in my heart, or rather my stomach. But because I have not been feeding my sweet tooth, my appetite and desire for the bowl of cereal has diminished, where it no longer has the power over me as it did before. What sin are you dealing with? Jesus says, take drastic measures, which may feel like you are losing part of yourself by cutting off and throwing away and tearing out that something in your life so that you stop damaging your soul and sinning before God. The purpose of why Jesus tells us to take such extreme measures is because Jesus wants us to live fully with him a full and abundant life in a loving relationship with him. Jesus says, is your hand or foot causing you to sin? Cut it off, throw it away. Why? Because it's better for you to enter life with him than to keep what's causing you to sin and be thrown into eternal judgment. Entering into a life with Jesus is better than being eaten alive by sin. So let's do the hard work by God's strength and by his love for us to cut off, throw away, tear out sinful desires from your life. Life abundant with Jesus is better. Amen? Amen. Now, whether you have strayed in conclusion here, from God or cause other Christians to stumble or feel trapped in a cycle of sin, there is hope in Jesus. Because Jesus experienced the ultimate, ultimate lostness on the cross when he cried out in anguish, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus 
who was the sinless and perfect lamb, offered himself on the cross so that lost sheep like you and me could be brought back into the loving care of our heavenly father and our good shepherd. Jesus' search and rescue mission to save lost sinners like you and like me did not end when Jesus was crucified on the cross because he rose from the grave when he resurrected from the dead, conquering Satan's sin and death. So that now, in Christ, we have the resources and the power and the freedom to starve out sinful desires. You no longer have to give in to the impulse to sin, to go astray, to stumble others. He is calling you today to come under his care and enter a new life with him. Amen? Here are a few questions for you to consider as you guys meet uh, in community groups. How can we apply the idea of receiving little ones in Jesus' name to our name to our interactions with others, especially those who may be marginalized or considered unimportant by society? How seriously do you take the presence of sin in your life and are you willing to make significant sacrifices to to address areas of sinfulness? And lastly, how have you experienced God's loving pursuit when you have strayed from him? Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are a good shepherd who seeks out lost sheep I don't, I don't know exactly where everyone is at here today with those who may be watching online. Lord, we see the Father's heart that desires for us to be rescued, saved, and brought back into the loving care of our Heavenly Father. And you demonstrated that, Lord Jesus, by dying on the cross for us, closing that chasm, that infinite gap that existed when we couldn't find our way back. You closed that gap through your sacrifice. So Lord, now as we continue to worship you, work in our hearts, draw us to you, and help us to celebrate the salvation that you provide to us through your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.